right, welcome everyone to the year that was dot dot dot, and we are discussing 1997. I'm your host, Aaron Maxson, along with my brother, Nate. Hello. And we are also joined by Ice Cold Mark Brew. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and if you guys are new to the show, we're going to explain what we're doing here. We are going through a calendar year of the major wrestling television um, from 1997. So basically, we're discussing WCW and WWF at the time, Raw Nitro and their pay-per-views. Um, we have no pay-per-view to discuss this week. The week that we are discussing is June 23rd, 1997. And why I like to preface that it's a calendar year is that if you're new to the show and you don't want to get, like, you know, into the middle of it and you don't know what you want to know what's going on at the beginning, stop listening now and whatever podcast service you're listening on, go to the beginning so you can follow along. But if you don't give a shit about that, go ahead and keep listening. Um, so unless you guys have anything you want to talk about at the top of this, we'll get into the shows. I do not at the moment. I'm sure something will come up. Mark, you got anything? Um, yeah, uh, this was kind of rough the stomach, but I, I, to be honest, like when we're talking about it later, Raw wasn't all that great this week for me. All right, we'll get into it and we'll get your opinions on that. But what we're going to open with is the Nitro. From June 23rd, 1997, they're in Lincoln, Georgia. So in their WCW's in their stomping grounds. Um, to open the show, we get a clip of the ESPN match from last week between Luger and Giant versus Rodman Hogan. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, they said that they were going to give um, on live TV Luger Giant versus Rodman Hogan, which is supposed to be their main event for Bash at the Beach. On paper, uh, that's going to be their pay-per-view coming up. They were going to put it on TV, and it was just a fucking debacle to get people talking about it on ESPN and entertain it tonight and all that shit. So they, they recapped that. Um, you guys get anything on that? Not that we didn't mention last time, yeah. no. We're not going to recap a recap. We do that on RTE. Um <laughs> and Mean Gene Okerlund welcomes everyone to WCW Nitro. He brings out DDP with Kimberly, which is a highlight. And DDP says that he has a surprise partner at Bash at the Beach to face um, Randy Savage and Scott Hall. And he will not, um, ba he, basically, he's not going to, like, you know, show his hands and say who um, the mystery partner is. And then Kimberly says that she got DDP a match later on tonight with Scott Hall. So that's how we open that show. So it's basically recapping the big main event feud and also hyping the fact that DDP has a mystery partner going into Bash at the Beach. And Kim, like I said, sets up Scott Hall versus DDP later tonight. And then we move into a tag team match, which is La Parca. And Damien666 um, versus the public enemy. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Yeah. It's it's not great, but it's not bad. Um, public enemy puts 666 through a table. And then um, there's some more brawling. 
And then the park ends up hitting Johnny Grunge um, with a chair, which allows La Parka to pin Johnny Grunge. And La Parka and Damien666 win via pinfall. And they mention that this is the biggest tag team victory that La Parka and Damien666 have ever had. And I think it's the only tag team victory they've ever had. So <laughs> good for them. Good for them. Well, you I mean, know, Damien. Damien is a guy that um, he's a luchador that in WCW was was um, you can't if you only see him in WCW you can't appreciate him because he actually what do I want to say how do I want to put it in Mexico where he could truly do his actual gimmick like his evil gimmick and shit he was actually really cool but in WCW they didn't do anything like that with him so he was just another luchador you know he was just a guy with a painted face if you didn't yeah. see anything of him in mexico you wouldn't think much of him because he's yeah. not a great he's not a great wrestler but he was a great personality i seen him recently on uh nwa power with him and his kids i think i haven't watched that show in a long time so i'm out of the loop yeah, they're their they're their champs right now right i think so yeah, I'm not knocking any of the people other than fucking Johnny Grunge in this match, but I'm just saying it, it was a match that opened the show, and they didn't really do a bad job, but it was just kind of a throwaway match. Um, then Mean Gene Okerlund interviews Eddie Guerrero about his feud with Dean Malenko. That, if you guys remember last week, um, Dean challenged Guerrero to come out, and instead of Eddie, um, Eddie sent out Chavo, and Dean beat the shit out of him. And then um, Eddie's trying to say that's not what it was. And they bring out Chavo, who says Eddie did um, did him bad, tossed him out there. And in a way for Eddie to say that he's apologizing to Chavo about this misunderstanding, he gives Chavo his shot at six tonight for the Cruiserweight Championship. So later on, we're going to see Chavo versus Six Pac. So. That would entice me to watch. Yeah, like I said, it, it was just like Chavo was starting to starting to make his point, and Eddie was starting to look like he couldn't talk his way out of being an asshole. So he was just like, "Oh no, I'm not bad, man. I'll give you my championship match. I love you, man. You know that shit." So they're starting to. So Eddie is a heel, and it's it's gonna get really good with him. I enjoyed him as a face, but I love him better as the chicken shit heel, chicken shit, <laughs> shitty heel. So it's gonna get really good with Eddie. Um, so you guys got anything on that? Nothing. Right. The next match is against two guys that I think every time I watch them work, they always work really good together. That's Alex Wright versus Chris Jericho. I didn't really like the whole Berlin thing with Wright, but like when he was Das Wonder Kid, that I mean, it was over with me. I don't like, I, <laughs> I don't know why, but no, he was a great wrestler. He's he's one of the guys that I've mentioned in the past that, and I, I think the main reason was he didn't. He just wanted to go back. He wanted to go home to Germany because that's where he's been ever since training, but uh, training wrestlers. But he was one of those guys that back then I always wondered why after the the merger WWF never picked him up. 
Yeah, and it, it was like Mark was saying, like, I actually liked the Berlin gimmick. If they would have done something more with it, I think it would have worked. Um, and in the ring, I always enjoyed the guy. But, like, hit, like right now, they're working him where he's, he's becoming a heel and he's becoming, like, a shit talker or whatever and kind of cocky. And once they started doing that with him, it made, like, when he was, like, Dust Wonderkin and was, like, a face, it was like, blah. This doesn't work, but when he became a heel, it actually worked. You know what I mean? Like, cause, like the Dick Dancer baby face doesn't work, but the Dick <laughs> Dancer heel works because he's like, "Hey, look at my dick!" And all the people, all of all the male fans are like, "No, I don't like that. You know, that's bullshit." But his their old ladies are sitting there like, "Look at that guy, and look at you." You know, <laughs> I. I, I I guess what ruined it with the whole Berlin thing was I was so used to seeing him as Alex Wright, and then I'm like, dude, you got something on your lip right there. Get it off. <laughs> they should have made it smaller. <laughs> got even more heat. This wrestler's going to invade Poland. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> like Lee Marshall's like, my road report's a lot worse. I don't even have any weasel jokes. <laughs> We're going international with this one. Out of school. I don't know what to tell you, Alex. All I got to say is Alex Wright and the or Alex Wright and the Wall are at the Louvre right now. <laughs> but during She's this match, yeah, during this match, Alex Wright he does some of his dancing because he gets Jericho down and he gets cocky, so he starts dancing, and um, Jericho ends up basically kicking him in the head when he's trying to do that and gets him in the lion tamer and Jericho wins. So the story of the match is Alex Wright is starting to get cocky or maybe a little too cocky now and is taking his eye off the ball. So Jericho wins. Um, then Larry, Tony and Mike discuss Rodman and Hogan again. <laughs> and then um, they also discuss the tag team title situation um, because if you guys remember, Harlem Heat won by disqualification at the pay-per-view because Vincent got involved and then um, um, J.J. Dillon said that that was a shit deal and they needed to restart the match. And So now they're going to have another match. And Harlem Heat's mad because basically they're saying that uh, J.J. is playing favoritism to the Steiners, but we are going to roll into a number one contenders match rematch with uh, the Steiner brothers versus Harlem Heat with Sister Sherry. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I always enjoy watching these two teams wrestle each other. Um, for one, they, they all do their job great, and I know... I think Stevie Ray gets a bad rap. I honestly feel that way, but I think these four guys work well together. And part of the reason I think they all work well together is I also, I don't know, but I'm, I think Rick and Scott respected those two. You know what I mean? So they weren't like going to go into the business for themselves because Stevie's a big fucker. So he could probably defend himself. And plus, right. uh, have you ever heard anybody ever say anything bad about Booker or Stevie? Not really. Yeah, like these are two good guys, and the Steiners know that they're going to go out there and have a great match with them. They don't have any reason to fucking drop them on their head or 
do anything shitty with them. So they're having their match. It's four big guys, impactful moves. Um, Booker um, at one point stops the Steiner Bulldog. Um, and then later on, Booker ends up. Um, I don't want to say it. Sorry. Um, Sister Sherry later tries to stop the same move, but Booker accidentally bumps into her and they get a bulldog on Stevie Ray and the Steiner brothers end up winning the match. Um, I don't have a lot of notes on it because I was watching the match. I'm like, this is a good match. So it basically turned into, there was some miscommunication at the end of it with Sherry and Booker and Stevie and they end up losing. And now the Steiner brothers are the number one contenders and they're starting to um, set the seed for some um, dissent between Sherry and the Harlem Heat. And I'm pretty sure we're rolling into the end of Sherry and the WCW. Yeah, she's about and, gone. I think she's got she's gone by the beginning of '98 for sure. Well, I don't really, if yeah. not if not way before that. I'm just. Great. <clears throat> I uh, I really enjoy this era of Steiners too because it's like before Scott Steiner becomes the whole big Papa Pump and Rick goes off and does his own thing. That collectively as a tag team, I always enjoyed them better than their singles pushes. Yeah, they never. Well, the 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 long and short of it to me is they never should have broke them up. I'm not mm-hmm. saying I'm not saying they shouldn't have turned heel. But to me, my mind was always they should have turned heel together. Scott could have been Big Papa Pump and be singles. That's fine. Rick could have been Rick, you know. Um, but I, to me, it just never worked that they that they broke them up. Very rarely, like other than like an, an indicator or something like like Owen and Brett. Is it ever believable when a brother team breaks up anyway? Right. Yeah. I don't want to fight my brother. <laughs> and I, I mean. And I- Somehow, I'm not saying somehow, that like me and you, you know what I mean? Like I'm just some, saying, some, yeah. Some, somehow, Brett and Owen made it work, and it was it was mostly because of how good they were at. at I mean, just Owen's character and Brett's character, but and, then and we're not we're not going to delve into that too much. But I'm just saying, breaking up the breaking up the Steiners to me was a bad idea. It was, <laughs> and that one worked because at first, like Brett was just like, "Yeah, I don't want to fight that guy. Like, what, what the fuck's wrong with you? You know what I mean? Yeah." And, and the reason the only and I said like you said you want to you don't want to delve into it, but the only time Brett was like, "Yeah, I got to fight this guy now," was when he started fucking with the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it's like it's like you want to hate me, that's fine, that's fine, I get it. But now you're starting to attack my dad. You're starting to attack our dad. You're starting to attack our mom. You're making fun mm-hmm. of our brothers. Now I got to kick your ass, bro. Right. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it, 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 to me, it didn't feel like Brett hated his brother. He was just like, I got to put him in his fucking place. And I'm sorry for laughing when you said Larry, Mike, and Tony, but the way you dragged out Larry, I was waiting for you to say Curly and Mo afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> like Brett and Owen would be like me and Nate being at like Thanksgiving dinner, and I'd just stand up and just like throw a fucking turkey leg in mom's face. You'd be like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? Now I have to hit you. <laughs> bowl, of sweet, too, bowl, of sweet, bowl, bowl of sweet potatoes over your head, buddy. <laughs> so now the Steiner brothers are the number one contenders. I'm not sure when that fucking match is going to happen because Kevin Nash is MIA right now. Um, 
but that's what's going on. Um, excuse me. And then Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton come out and they're with Vincent. And this is officially them announcing themselves as vicious and delicious. And they insult the Steiner brothers as the Steiner brothers are leaving. And it's just kind of like a, a little verbal confrontation there, but nothing really happens with it. Um, I don't remember the entire bash at the beach card, but I'm assuming these guys are probably going to fight there. Like Buff was just talking about Scott's arms and how they're boogie whip and his arms are so much better. And Gene's like, really? You know, like, anyway, um, so there's really not much there. And then Mike Tanay sets up a training video of Ernest the Cat Miller. <laughs> and there's some guy that looks like a jacked up like Steve Gutenberg. Like he's got like big hair and he's like, he looks like a jacked Steve Gutenberg. And he's talking <laughs> about how, how great Ernest Miller is in the karate, karate field. Or whatever. And it's like, it's like a, uh, Mixed guy doing his karate with Mike Tanay talking about it and a jacked up Steve Gutenberg talking about how great he is in karate. It's like, fuck off, Bischoff. I like, uh, he's probably jacking off watching this fucking video. <laughs> Carl Douglas. Carl Douglas. <laughs> was that the guy? Was that the Gutenberg guy? No, that was uh, Kung Fu fighting. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, I got you. So, oh, yeah. Whoa, whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is stupid. Um, the I've said it in a lot of shows, and I'll say it again. The minute he knew he wasn't going to go with this, he should have just stopped it. And just figured out something else to do with these guys, because this is fucking totally out of place. Um. So the next match, um. Unless you guys have anything about that stupid shit, <laughs> is Viano Four versus Hector Garza? That's what we're getting. Um, um, Larry Zabisco asks if Mexican rule. <laughs> he asks if Mexican rules include a DQ if either one of them drank the water before the match. <laughs> It's funny, but it's not funny. Like it's like it's like an obvious joke, and it's 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 actually one of those jokes that would probably be funny on presentation. Like if Bobby Heenan said it, maybe. Yeah, it made me laugh when I watched Larry say it, and I didn't deliver it great because I whatever. I'm not Larry Sabisco. Larry Sabisco's fucking funny. Archie <laughs> hates him, and that's one thing I'll fucking die in a hill arguing with Archie about is that Larry Sabisco sucked. But Archie, Archie hates them because they had the same hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I said, Zabisco said that joke. Um, um, they discussed that Mike Tanay. I'm actually looking forward to this. That Mike Tanay is getting ready to go to go to Mexico and do some some interviews and some discussions about or not discussions but some videos about um, the lucha culture and everything this is that it's coming up but these are actually some this was actually pretty cool that WCW did it um, I don't know if you guys remember these things but mm -hmm. it, 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 it it's when they 
I really enjoy them and they're coming up and I might try to like figure out how to put the, put the audio on there for those. They're talking about that. And then the match is going on. It's not a bad match. Um, Obviously they figure out a spot to get Garza to hit his um, corkscrew plancha in the match because at the time it was like one of the bigger moves in wrestling. It was the equivalent, like him hitting that was the equivalent of when like PD hit the Canadian destroyer for the first time. You know what I mean? So the minute you you look at it now and you see the corkscrew plancha that Garza did, you're like, eh, like it, it doesn't look that. I mean, it's still impressive, but you know what I'm saying. You'll never, you'll never get any argument from me, because you know me. And in, in probably between the between the years of 1996 and 1998, Hector Garza was one of my top ten favorite wrestlers. So yeah, you know. but 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 you get what I'm saying about that plancha. Yeah, like in '97, people were like, "Holy shit!" If somebody did that now, it's a fucking commercial spot. Oh yeah, it's, it's so- just like it's just like. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like anything that that we would have that we would have um, dropped our jaws at in two thousand that the Hardys and Edge and Christian would have done. Yeah. Now the now these now there's doofuses doing it on dark. You know. It's like, <laughs> yeah, and then you go into a fucking commercial for goddamn reverse mortgage with Tom Selleck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. But Garza hits that, and they don't end it with that, though. And they wind up back in the ring, and then Garza ends up hitting a standing moonsault on Viano 4 and gets the victory. So that's how that went. Um, I don't think we have anything else on that, correct? No, great, great match between two pretty good luchadors. I enjoyed it. Um, Then Mean Gene introduces Team White Bread, which is the giant (laughs) Lex Luger. Um, and they cut a boring promo about their upcoming match. Nobody attacks. Nobody does anything. It's just them cutting a promo about fighting Robin and Hogan. Like, there's literally no notes on it. It's just a Lex Luger giant promo. What else can you say? Yeah. Um, I got something to say. Is it okay. just me, or did Lex Luger and Vince Neil have the same hairdo here? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I saw Luger and I was like, um that reminds they, me of somebody. <laughs> and now they have about the same mobility. <laughs> Jesus. For two different reasons, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so then the next the next match is um the cruiserweight match between Chavo Guerrero Jr. and Six Pac. And um, I don't have a lot of notes on it because it was actually a really good match. Um, it is, I don't want to say it. I didn't realize it at the time because I didn't know what he was going to become. But it's fantastic watching Chavo at the beginning of his mainstream career. And, and when I say mainstream careers, because I don't think he had a lot of non-mainstream career. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he kind of got put out there. And I don't think he had a lot of time on the indies or anything like that. I'd have to look it, I'd have to look it up. But he was really good 
really fucking early. And I know he had a pedigree for it, but Chavo got in there with Sean Waltman who fucking hung his uh, fucking own right. in this fucking match. And and he gets in there with Eddie later and a bunch of other guys that in like 97, 98, he didn't have a right to be in there with. But I shouldn't say had a right to be in there with. But do you guys get what I'm saying? Yeah, right. he he made he made he made his debut in 1994. So he's not even a full four, not even a full like three years into the. He de- debuted. He made his wrestling debut in May of 1994. So he's just a little over. Th- he's a little over three years. Uh, made his debut wrestling obviously in Mexico. He toured with he toured with New Japan during '96. Featured mainly on the lower card. So yeah, I mean he's not even three years. He's just he's just over three years pro here and already that good. Yeah. So at, at this point he he's been putting in some work and now they're wanting to elevate him. Yeah, and, and like I said, I think he's he's gang fucking busters. And if you can go out there with Walt, and I don't know people say oh, Waltman can have a great match with anybody because he can, but Chavo Chavo held up his end in this thing. And um, it was a really good match. Um, during the match, Eddie Guerrero comes out and he watched, he's watching from the ramp. Because I forgot to mention during the interview with him and Chavo, um, Chavo said he wanted to be his own man and have the match. and didn't want Eddie to cheat. And Eddie said he wouldn't get involved and yada, yada, yada. But he'd still have his back. <clears throat> and then Scott Hall comes out. Behind the referee's back and hits the outsider's edge on Chavo, and then he just leaves. And they're talking about how Eddie's just letting his nephew get the shit kicked out of him. And um, Six Pack gets the um, buzz killer on Chavo for the um, submission victory. And now Six Pack is still your cruiserweight champion. So the story of the match is um, Eddie wouldn't help his. Eddie wouldn't help his nephew, even though he saw him getting his ass kicked. And Six Spock, being the veteran, still needed help. <clears throat> Sorry, still needed help from his big buddy, um, Hall, to beat Chavo. Looking at Chavo's Wikipedia page, if he would have been able to use his, his uh, um, shoot name, he even would have a cool name. Chavito? He's- no, his actual birth name is Salvador Guerrero the Fourth, so he could be Salvador Number Four. <laughs> <laughs> and it would have been a shoot. Yeah, cool name. <laughs> Salvador, uh, Salvador Guerrero. I still yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, and so later on. That- that's a cool shoot name, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and later on, when uh Waltman goes into the WWE and all that, I uh he's part of one of my favorite tag teams that they did during that era was uh Kane and X Pac. To me, those two worked well together because you got the small guy and then you got the giant. Yeah, Waltman. They asked Waltman about people that he teamed with and throughout the years because he teamed with a lot of people, and he said Kane was his favorite guy to team with and Kane's not anywhere on this thing but listen to all the people that have teamed with Glenn Jacobs and every single one of them tells you Glenn Jacobs is my favorite guy to team with <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that, was my, that was my dude you know um, so unless you guys got anything else on that we'll move on 
to something that I have no notes on, and we're just going to talk about it right. It's going to be five seconds. It's Conan <laughs> versus Steve McMichael. And that is why you don't have any notes. Yeah, Co- uh, Hugh Morris comes out with a stick, and he distracts Conan, and Mongo ends up hitting a tombstone on him, and that's, that's how the match ends. And he didn't drop him on his fucking head? Nope. Yeah, yeah it should have been, been on Saturday night. Shouldn't have been on fucking Nitro. Um, and then we get a video about the feud. Hey, wait between... a minute. What? I didn't get to share it. He didn't <laughs> wrestle. I don't know. He didn't wrestle. <laughs> I always got to do the shitty Jeff Jarrett music. But he didn't wrestle. <laughs> well, we were talking about shitty wrestling, so... <laughs> But he's involved still with with Mongo at this point. This thing that won't die. It was my excuse. It was my excuse to play the Jeff Jarrett WCW theme. (laughs) We was about to have a shindig in here. (laughs) So the next thing is a video of the coolest thing going on in WCW at this point. Um, Kevin Sullivan versus Chris Benoit. It's just a video recap of their feud so far, which is badass. I'm not going to recap it. And then Mean Gene Okerlund introduces Roddy Roddy Piper. And then um, Gene asks Piper about his relationship with Ric Flair. But Roddy Piper avoids the question saying um, he's being he, like, he wants to be nice and doesn't want to like insult Flair. And then, um, um, Gene's still pressing him more about Flair, and Piper ends up saying that he finally finally says that he still trusts Ric Flair and doesn't want to talk too bad about him, but then asks Gene if he knows why Ric Flair dates um, two women at the same time. And you guys know why Piper says that Ric Flair dates two women at the same time? I don't remember. It's because when Flair falls asleep, they have somebody to talk to. (laughs) And then Flair comes out, obviously, because he's pissed because his libido has been insulted. You can't do that to the man. Yeah, so then Flair confronts Piper and then once again um, denies fucking over Piper at Slambury when he chased out um, Six and left Piper to get beat up by the Outsiders. And then the Horsemen come out and surround Piper. And it's it's not the same thing, but it's um, similar to like when um, the Horsemen surrounded Sting at that Clash of the Champions. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like Flair doesn't want this guy to get beat up. He's like, look, man, just shut up. I don't want this to happen to you. <laughs> you know, let's just let sleeping dogs lie. Let's let it go. And um, um, Piper ends up insulting Flair again, and it pisses Benoit off. So Benoit pops him 
and Flair's still letting it go, but then Piper pops Benoit. So then guess what Flair has to do? Make like, a decision? Oh, shit. <laughs> like, like Flair just goes, oh, god damn it. You know, because it's like once you hit one of the horsemen, it doesn't matter if I don't like you. You just hit my guy, you know? And that was actually the coolest thing about the horsemen. It really was. Like, like they would like other guys in that group, but once you hit one of them, you're just like, oh, fuck. Now we got to get the shit out of you. Principal. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like the mafia. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's, it's like, I, I don't want to pop. I don't want to, I don't want to put a hit out on you, but I have to, because you insulted the the boss or whatever, you know? Yeah. Are you in, or the, the boss doesn't want to fuck with you, but you just smacked around my guys. So if I don't fuck with you now, I just lose all credibility with these other guys, you know? So, um, now they all have to end up beating down Piper, which they do. And it's kind of broken up by the officials, and we're now fully into a Piper um, Flare feud, which I'm pretty sure is going to have a match at Bash at the Beach. So that's that. Um, so unless you guys get anything on that, I mean, no matter no matter no matter whether they're together or against each other, it's never going to be bad with Piper and Flare. And we always say the old adage, you never know which Piper you're going to get. Whenever he's involved with Flair, you're going to get good Roddy. Yeah. I don't want to say Roddy was ever bad. That's not what I, Aaron, you know what I'm saying? Oh, there's times when Piper was bad. Well, no, what I'm saying is, <laughs> there, no, even, even bad Piper's good. It's just off the rails, Piper. It's a different, it's like watching a train wreck. We just like, had still, I'm still going to watch it. I'm still going to watch it because it's fucking Piper, but. Like that shit when he thought he was on the A team or whatever. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> or when he'd come out on Raw in his later years, we're in the Fedora. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Who was he confronting when he thought he was on the A team? There's a guy that was going to play fucking Mike, Mr. T's character on the A team movie. I don't know. Rampage Jones. Rampage Jones was on Raw. And he played like he thought he was Mr. T. It's like, what the fuck? Anyway. We'll move on. Unless you guys got anything else on that segment. Yeah, he went out on a limb saying that he trusted Flair, though. Because how are you going to trust the dirtiest player in the game? Yeah. You know what I'm that's, saying? Like, that's, that's what Flair's notorious for. But, like I said, I always liked the... Like the the nineties horseman, I don't technically because I'm a I'm a flare mark and I'm a horseman mark. And when it kind of started getting convoluted right at this point, it's like, eh, I didn't start I didn't quite look at it as, as technically horsemen, you know. Right. But it was still a clique and it was still a group and I wish they would have called him something else, but I, like I said, I always like the fact of Flair having those one or two guys on the roster. Oh, That's a good guy, man. Don't fuck with them. But the minute they, the minute that guy fucked with one of his dudes, he was like, well, now we got to kick the shit out of him. Now all bets are off, bud. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so there's a little bit left with Nitro. 
And then if you guys don't mind, after we're done with Nitro, we can take like a seven-minute break or whatever. Is that cool? Yep, that's about what it's going to take for me to get the liquor and pour it. Well, I want to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> I got beer in my fridge. My fridge looks like the goddamn fridge from the um, that Ain't Not But a G Thing video. You want to open it up and there's all those 40s in it? You got, <laughs> my fridge. you got the slits malt liquor? No, it's just my fridge from like top of the fridge all the way to the bottom. It's just butt heavy. <laughs> But anyway, um, the next match has nothing to it. It's um, Glacier and Ernest Miller. Talk about who, a band of misfits. Who, um, did I mention last week what I gave their team name? Did um, I mention it? I don't think so. Uh, uh, Glacier and Ernest Miller's new team name is Burr and Ernie. <laughs> like Burr and Ernie. That's their team name. Um, and they're facing high voltage. Yeah. Which Nate, I don't know if we're ever gonna do that WCW terrible theme song show, but high voltage would have one of them. Oh yeah, that's why he played the Jarrett music a while ago. He was he was prepping the audience. But High Voltage's theme is literally just Remember 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 when uh Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan were at Bush Gardens and Gorilla Monsoon said we gotta find the bushwhackers and Bobby said Heenan said, I don't wanna find the bushwhackers. <laughs> when you brought up this match, I was like, I don't wanna talk about this match. <laughs> Really, my notes are Burr and Ernie versus High Voltage winners, Burr and Ernie. <laughs> and then uh, uh, James Vandenberg and his his people come out and they attack Burr and Ernie, like we've seen over and over again. Shit needs to die. So you got one that thinks he's a funky China man, and then you got another that thinks he's a Mortal Kombat character. Pretty much. And then two guys that think they're wrestlers. However, <laughs> however, however. All funky, is false. Funky, funky Chinaman is a good title. <laughs> I'm always funky thinking China like a, I'm always thinking like a promoter. <laughs> funky Chinaman. <laughs> and then we get a um, black and white Dennis Rodman Hogan video which is just them doing their um, um, entertainment tonight type promos. You know what I'm talking about? Where Hogan's not really being Hollywood Hogan, but he's like talking in sound bites. And he doesn't have his, doesn't have a, he, he doesn't have like his NWO shit. He still, he looks like old Hogan. He's like, Oh yeah, brother, me and the rod, bro. And, and, and it, you get what I'm saying? Yep. Like it's, it's inner, it's, it's hot. I wanted to say it's Hollywood Hogan, but it's literally Hollywood Hogan. You know, like he's cutting a Hollywood Hogan promo as Hulk Hogan. Does that make yes. sense? Yes. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to like talk shit because he's got to fucking promote goddamn three His... ninjas or whatever the fucking movie he's making. 
I guarantee you that one was better than the one you had me watch. I didn't like it. I watched <laughs> five fucking minutes of that and said, nope. <laughs> but they played that and like sliced footage of the NWO beating down fucking Team White Bread. And then we um, roll into um, the DDP Scott Hall match. DDP comes out with Kimberly and Scott Hall comes out with the Macho Man and Miss Liz. Um, the match really doesn't get going. And um, because Randy Savage ends up jumping DDP and they beat him down. So DDP wins via disqualification. And then post-match, um, Sting comes out from the crowd and taunts... Um, Hall and Hall and Savage. Um, Savage ends up hitting his elbow anyway, and then Sting runs down and chases them away. He basically stands over DDP, and the way the show goes off the air is Sting chasing off um, Randy Savage and Scott Hall. And I'm assuming at the end of the show, when those two came back, and there was probably a a dark match consisting of Sting and DDP beating Scott Hall and Randy Savage pretty quick. I don't have those notes, but I'm assuming that's what they did. And that's how the show ended. It wasn't a bad Nitro, but it wasn't a great Nitro. It was just kind of there. Um, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't, I didn't despise it, but it was just kind of a show. And like I said, they didn't really do anything that was just like, Wow, but but they didn't do anything that was overwhelming. I, I this show felt like a placeholder. I, I think they got a lot of time between what they're what they started with this like DDP and um not DDP. Sorry, I think they they've put too much time in between setting up Hogan and Rodman versus DDP and Luger. WCW and, did that a lot. They would have they would have a good story, but they would start it three weeks too early. Yeah, and then they they you know that that last three weeks you're just kind of retreading the same the same shit over and over and over again. Right. So yeah, which all right. So the next show we're going to discuss is the June twenty third, obviously nineteen ninety seven edition of WWF Monday Night Raw. Uh, they're at the Cobo Hall in Detroit, Michigan. Um, the show opens with the Nation of Domination, the new Nation of Domination, I should say, which is Farouk, D'Lo Brown, Kama Mustafa, and Ahmed Johnson. Um, they come out to the arena to be interviewed by Vince McMahon. Um, Vince starts the interview asking Ahmed why he turned and joined the Nation of Domination. And Johnson says that he's turned because um, the fans are racist and never got behind him. And that the white man, and points to Vince McMahon, um, and then he says that the Undertaker let him down because he's a punk ass slave 
to Paul Bearer. So he's basically saying that every white person that he tried to support or felt was behind him has let him down. Poor Ahmed. He didn't even realize it wasn't about the color of his skin. It was because he sucked in the fucking ring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then D'Lo starts his gimmick of just repeating whatever Ahmed said, which isn't actually his gimmick, but D'Lo had no idea what the fuck was going on yet. So he was just like, yeah, what Ahmed said. And then Farouk says that the new nation can't be stopped. And then um, Johnson ends up threatening to beat up Vince McMahon. And then Kama ends up saying that he is super proud that he was able to beat The Undertaker last week. And then D'Lo reiterates that Kama beat The Undertaker last week. And then all of a sudden... um, Crush comes out um, with three other bikers and um, Miss McMahon questions who they are and um, uh, Crush doesn't give any names but he says that we we ride together um, we um, live together and then he goes, you know what else, McMahon? We goddamn sure do. I'm like, oh, I hope he says doesn't sleep together. <laughs> I thought he was going to say, but he says, we damn sure fight together. And the DOA, the the DOA, he does say they are the Disciples of Apocalypse. Um, they attack the Nation of Domination. Vince McMahon runs away. And then police officers and officials have to come out and break up the brawl. So we've got the new formation of the Disciples of Apocalypse. The debut of one of the most boring factions in pro wrestling history. Yes. And the start of one of my least favorite things ever in WWF, the basic race factions is what they're doing. Well, am I the only one that thought that D'Lo Brown looked like Sinbad really let himself go? <laughs> D'Lo is pretty fat at this point. Yeah, and but I, don't get me wrong. Later on, I like D'Lo. Just this at this point, I'm like Sinbad really let himself go. <laughs> Lay off the McDoubles. <laughs> and then Jim Ross and Vince McMahon end up setting up the show from the booth. They discuss the tag team tournament that's coming up. Um, uh, it's the Nation of Domination versus Taker and Vader, LOD versus the Godwins. Those are the tag matches that are coming up, and we're going to get our first ever three way dance between Hunter, Owen, and Goldust for the Intercontinental Championship. So that is what they're hyping for the show. Um, then we get a promo. F- Oh, go ahead. Sorry. At this point, Nate was want, wanting to shut it off. It's like, I had to see Hunter and Dustin again. <laughs> oh, wait. Owen's in here. It'll be salvageable. Yeah, yeah they put <laughs> Owen in there. Um, then we get a promo from LOD and how they like um, 
the crazy action in Detroit and they're, they feel like they're ready to go. Um, then we find out our sponsors for the show are Wrigley Gum and 1-800-COLLECT. I, I'm a, I think Wrigley Gum is still a thing. I don't chew gum. But yeah, I know one. I know one. I know collect isn't a thing unless you're in prison, or in probably like <laughs> it's probably still a thing in like Eastern Europe. Yeah, where they have all those phone booths on the side yeah. of the road. Still, let me get to the telly. <laughs> yeah, there's some guy in a fucking. He's wearing like a Bahama shirt, church pants, Crocs. <laughs> One eight hundred, one eight hundred, collecting his buddy Yuri. Yeah. It's probably it's probably a, a little more profitable over there too. <laughs> Those are our sponsors, and then we get a recap from the confrontation between um, Ken Shamrock and Steve Austin from last week, and um, Goldust breaking it up and basically talking all those guys. And, and uh, LOD was involved. Basically, it's setting up the Hart Foundation. They're showing the recap of Goldust getting LOD, Shamrock, and Austin to agree to fight the Hart Foundation at um, Canadian Stampede. And then we roll into our opening match, which is... um, These guys have wrestled a lot. And at first, I was like, I don't know why this fucking match is happening. But I figured it out. And I felt dumb after I figured it out. Like, it shouldn't have taken me this long. It's Ken Shamrock versus Rockabilly. Rockabilly was the first guy that really had physical interaction with Ken Shamrock. And at first, I was like, why the fuck is this happening? And then I was like, I'm so dumb. It's because they realized that Ken Shamrock though he was a wrestler before he went to UFC really wasn't a professional wrestler. So why not put him in there with probably the best fucking peer athlete we got on our roster? You know what I mean? Yeah. And at that point, what did, what did Billy Gunn lose losing to Ken Shamrock? And he's going to make him look like a fucking million bucks and he's going to be able to teach him how to fucking work. Mm-hmm. Billy Gunn was teaching Ken Shamrock how to fucking wrestle. In the WWF, on, yes. On the WWF. He was teaching him how to wrestle at WWF style on the road and on TV and they knew he wasn't going to fuck it up. Was Howard Finkel the ring announcer or was it Tony Chimmel? Um, I think it's Fink. Okay. Because when I... Whenever I think of Ken Shamrock, I think of Tony Chimmel because Tony Chimmel always introduced him as Ken Shimrock. <laughs> Ken <laughs> Shimrock. Tony Chimmel pronounced a lot of shit weird. Yeah. Um. Well, at least Fink had it right. He's a sham. <laughs> <laughs> but during this match, um, an interesting fact is that Dan Severn is now making his... WWF debut. He's on headset. Um, they mentioned that um, Shamrock has faced Severn twice in the UFC. Uh, they're both tied in their fights. And then Vince um, um, actually puts over the MMA business in the UFC saying that no one 
Um, it, it's kind of weird that he said it, but he's like defending the UFC by saying no one has ever died in the sport of MMA, which you can't say about you, which you can't say the same thing about boxing or wrestling. <laughs> weird take. Yeah. And I think, I think he was lining up to try to buy it in 97. I might be wrong, but I think Vince was, I think was, Vince was thinking of getting in the MMA business at this point. That was, that was his, uh, his brownie points for saying that. I think <laughs> that's the only, I think that's, that's the only, I think that's the only reason he brought Severn in and was trying to put this shit over. Like, I think Vince was going to try to buy it. Well, I mean, you got to think too. Around this time frame, UFC was really, really getting hot. It was, but it was still underground. Uh, Dana White hadn't bought it yet, obviously, and it was just kind of there. And I think Vince wanted to try to do it. I think he wanted to try to buy it. Well, you got to think he's been in bed with uh, the USA people for a long time, like in uh, Raw had Raw's or was it Raw or was it one of the other shows that they even had on Spike TV? And Spike TV is usually where you saw the the MMA stuff. And that's that's even way before, like, like this is way before that, right? But I just I think Vince, honest to God, I think he wanted to get. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the time frame. I would have to go back and look at it. I don't know if it was later on or what, but I do know that for sure at one point I have read in multiple places that Shane McMahon was trying to get his dad to buy UFC. I think it was right around this time. I think he was getting in the gear. Because why else would you explain fucking bringing Dan in and Ken and talking about this sh- Vince doesn't talk about shit that's not on his fucking TV. Right. And especially doesn't talk about shit that's not wrestling unless he's trying to, like, involve himself in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, we're getting into the weeds on it, but that's just what I thought. Um, during this match, um, Shamrock ends up hitting a belly-to-belly, floats over into an ankle lock, and wins via submission. And then post-match, Shamrock and Severn have a stare down, but they don't, um, they don't fight. They end up shaking hands and walking away. And Vince puts over again that these guys are tied and we need a, we need a, we need a rubber match between these guys. So that's how that goes. Um, so unless you guys got anything else on that, we'll move on. Collect calls. I, I happen to think about it when you said one eight hundred collect. One of the funniest commercials in the history Bob, of television is, uh, and for those of you that are younger listening to the show that don't know, you could you used to be able to do one eight hundred collect or whatever. You could do a collect call to someone, and if you did the collect call, then they were the one. They had to pay the charge. So a lot of kids in college and stuff would collect, call their parents because then the parents could pay the bill or whatever. But one of the funniest commercials ever, and I'll do a little explaining. When you called someone collect, it would be like, say your name. So they know who's calling, obviously. Those of you who have been to jail do know how this works. But anyway, <laughs> um, so I would say, you know, my mom would get a thing for me that said, 
you have a collect call from? And I would say Nate. Well, I remember when 1-800-COLLECT, I think it was 1-800-COLLECT, was trying to advertise that they had the lowest rates of collect calls. They had a commercial where this guy calls his parents because him and his wife have just had their child. That's what he said. And, and he goes, instead of saying his name, he just goes, we add a baby, it's a boy. Bob had a baby, it's a boy. <laughs> so anyway. I just that's, like, The mom's like, who was that? And he's like, it was Bob, he had a baby, it's a boy. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm what sorry. You gotta wonder, why did this commercial tell you to hack their shit? Right. They taught you how to phone tag. <laughs> Basically that's what that's the uh I I'm guess sure, the, the I'm sure by the time I'm sure by the time that commercial was airing, they were probably like, Oh shit, these cell phone things are really catching on and people don't have long distance bills anymore and yeah. blah blah blah. Just trying to get away for people to use their service. But yep, it'll always stick in my mind. One of my favorite like funny commercials. And it also makes me feel really old. But anyway, Between- between that one and the carrot top ones, those are those are tied for my top one eight hundred collect commercials. Now, don't get me started on carrot top. <laughs> yeah, we don't have that much time. <laughs> you don't want me to get started on carrot top. That fucking cunt. <laughs> <laughs> so back to back to Monday Night Raw from June twenty third, nineteen ninety seven. All right, we get a promo from the Godwins. Okay, and the Godwins—they've been getting the shit kicked out of them by the LOD. They're pissed off, and they are now over it. One and, of them got dropped on their head, and they're mad. Yeah, Hank did. Hank got his neck broke, and I didn't write down verbatim for what they said, but they basically said they're not a bunch of fucking shit-kicking pig farmers, and they're not going <laughs> to dance around anymore. Was essentially what they said. They said they're going to get out there. They're going to kick ass now. Um, I don't know. It, I don't think it's this week, but eventually, you know, they lose the t-shirts and they're just in their overalls and they're basically going to their fucking hillbilly roots and they're going to fight. Shit got real. Bubba took his shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> they, they ain't fucking around no more. Yeah, they ain't going to hoe down. They're going to throw down. Basically, yes. And then um, we get uh, the Slam of the Week brought to you by the Army, which is Ahmed Johnson joining the end, the, the Nation of Domination. Um, the only thing I got from this was, yeah, Ahmed joined the Nation of Domination. But I don't understand why the Army has to – I still <laughs> understand why they have to have commercials. <laughs> it's not like there's another army right <laughs> don't get us confused with the other one yeah it's like why does mcdonald like i don't understand why does mcdonald's have commercials like why are you still wasting money on commercials You're fucking mcdonald's well i mean it, it, i guess it triggers that that response hey i need to go get one of those yeah but it's not like it's like oh i don't know which army to join <laughs> but anyway um, well, I mean, you can make the connection with there were a, a, a militant group, so they got to be of the sponsor of the military. Yeah. Army is bringing us Ahmed Johnson joining the NW. I keep wanting to say the NWO. He didn't join the NWO. <laughs> the NOD. The NOD. And then we get a Sable video 
and Jim Ross and Vince McMahon discussing her and Mark Merrow and Mark Merrow possibly being upset with each other. And um, if you want to know more about the Merrow Sable situation um, by um, this month's Raw magazine at news newsstands everywhere. Yeah, you can go out there and pick that up still, probably. God, that ain't out there anywhere. Oh, yeah, it is. I can go to eBay and find it for probably about three bucks. I was just going to say, there's not news. <laughs> I was being funny, Aaron. <laughs> so go out to some newsstand and find the fucking Raw magazine talking about fucking Rena Marrow cockled and Mark Marrow with some other schmuck superstar. Uh, um, then we get a tag team tournament match. And it's the Godwins versus the Legion of Doom. Um, they show clips of the LOD breaking Henry Godwin's neck. Um, they also show clips of the Godwins slopping the LOD. Um, then we are informed that um, Ken Shamrock has been mugged by the Hart Foundation backstage. All this shit's going down before this fucking match starts. So these guys are out there and just fucking standing around like dildos watching this shit on the fucking screen. <laughs> um, the Godwins are now um, full heel. Um, and the LOD goes for their doomsday device, which gets stopped. Um, but but Hawk still gets the top rope clothesline. Like, like, like animal has um henry up but um phineas still clips hawk and henry like falls to his feet and then hawk still like clotheslines henry and pins him which it's like i don't understand why they even did that fucking spot like why not just do the fucking move <laughs> unless henry was like i don't want to do that move again Whatever. Fool me uh, once. <laughs> Fool me once. Yeah. So LOD ends up advancing. Um and then the Godwins try to attack LOD again. And LOD chases them away with chairs. And then the Heart Foundation um attack LOD while Bret Hart watches from the stage. So um, the hearts have essentially beat down um, Ken Shamrock backstage and have now beat down LOD out in the arena. So that's the story of the show going forward is the Heart Foundation is attacking the people that are facing them at the stampede. So mm -hmm. unless you guys got anything else on that. Nope. Yay, nay. We'll move on. Oh, we can move on. All right. And then we go to a promo, and um, I write this shit. I, like, write notes like I talk, and I shouldn't do that. But there's a promo where Undertaker tries to cut a promo, but um, Paul Bearer basically tells him to shut the fuck up. And then the Undertaker um, um, slams Paul Bearer up against the wall and starts choking him, up, choking him until... Um, Vader shows up and Taker still won't let Paul Bearer go. And then um, Bearer starts screaming, the fire, 
the fire. And then Taker ends up letting him go. And Paul Bearer and Vader run away. So either either Paul Bearer was referring to Kane or telling the Undertaker he was about to shit himself. The fire. The fire. <laughs> he ate Taco Chipotle. Bell. Chipotle. Chipotle. <laughs> Five guys. Five guys. Beans and rice. Beans and rice. Basically anything William Moody ate probably made him Low ass, I would assume. I had too much fiber this morning. <laughs> he was saying the fire, the fire. He was saying the fiber, the fiber, the fiber. My metamucil's kicking in. What's that fucking? I was just thinking of like a cereal that. What's that? Fiber one. No. Doesn't matter. I'm dumb now. I don't remember. <laughs> Great nuts. <laughs> Great nuts. <laughs> Come out like a machine gun. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out, kid. <laughs> so, Paul Bearer is either yelling at the Undertaker about some sort of fire or his explosive bowels, and the Undertaker lets him go. He's like, either one of these from my childhood, I remember, and they were both horrific. <laughs> so I'm going to allow you to leave with Vader. He probably has both of those, too. He's and then... Yes. And then Owen Hart, he cuts a promo about not being happy about the three-way dance. or three. They don't call it a three-way dance here. They call it a triple threat. He's not happy about that. He thinks he should have a one-on-one match. And it's a great Owen Hart promo. And the next match we get is um, Flash Funk versus Sabu, accompanied by Bill Alfonso. Paulie Dangerously is on headset. And Nate, I know you've said that you wished... ECW invasion would have left WWF TV after barely legal. And I understand that. And it should have just been relegated to ECW, which is fine, but I'm cool with this because we're get, we, we get two cold Scorpio versus Sabu. Yeah. And it's not long, but it's still something I want to watch. Um, like I said, Paulie's on headset. I totally forgot this fucking happened. Um, Sabu ends up pulling a table out and Paul says, he actually says Eric Bischoff can say public invented public enemy invented the tables, but I invented the public enemy and they stole it from Sabu. <laughs> and he's not great. wrong. It's a all. great fucking line. And he got it on fucking national television. Yeah, and Vince, Vince McMahon was sitting right next to him. And I guarantee Vince had no fucking idea what he was talking about. Yeah, he's like, I don't know what this public enemy thing is. I don't know it, about like, these like it probably It probably didn't even register to him. But Paulie probably felt so much goddamn happiness being able to say that fucking line on TV. This is where we need Chad Austin for the... Uh, for the perspective <laughs> but it's a great line and there is no fucking lie in the entire thing that he fucking said 
agree. It, it, it's the equivalent of him saying on that ECW docu- documentary that if anybody says that Eric Bischoff and WCW didn't steal Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, and D- Dean Malenko in one foul swoop is a fucking liar. They're full of shit. That's what he says. They are full of shit. That fucking line. I'll read it again. Eric Bischoff can say P.E. invented the tables, but I invented the P.E. and they stole them from Sabu. It's a great fucking line. It's so great I wrote it down. Like I paused, rewound, and fucking wrote it down verbatim. Fucking love that line. (laughs) These two, they're hitting high-impact moves on each other. Um, Sabu sets up another table and tries to moonsault um, uh, Flash Funk through it, but it doesn't break. Um, Paulie mentions that unlike Public Enemies tables, these aren't pre-cut. And then Sabu finally ends up breaking the table and the referee throws the match out. So it's a no contest. But it was it was Really cool to see it on Raw. It, but some part of me wanted just to uh, watch Sabu win because then that would have added the whole element to it of, you know, ECW guys one up on WWE. Yeah. But it, 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 was, it was a fun fucking match to watch. It had those great lines in it. And it was cool seeing Sabu. It was cool seeing that Sabu in WWF. Mm-hmm. Right. In my opinion, and then mankind, um, they they cut a promo about mankind wanting to be um, Steve Austin's partner because if I didn't explain it properly, the tournament they're having is these guys, these tag teams are having a match going forward to fight Stone Cold Steve Austin and a partner of his choosing because Shawn Michaels is injured. So that's it's technically not a tag. They keep calling it a tag team championship tournament, but it's not. It's a tag team number one contenders tournament. Right. But anyway, um, then they show another commercial for that Discovery Zone million dollar ripoff challenge, which they knew nobody was ever going to fucking win. Um, I think there's only one Discovery Zone left in America now, too. I think it's like Blockbuster. And Tim Hortons. I think there's only like one. <laughs> um, then we get the British Bulldog versus Mankind. Um, Mankind comes out. He's wearing a Pickney Steve placard around his neck. Um, and he's, he's um, basically being Mankind. And he says that he is dedicating this match to his very best friend, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And during the match, Stone Cold Steve Austin does a phone interview, mocking Mick Foley. He calls him a fat ass, and he's not going to be his partner, and he's a one-eared freak and a dumbass. Like, he's just like, fuck Mick Foley. Like, fuck him. I don't want to be this guy's partner. And um, Vince McMahon goes, well, well, thank you for your... Thank you for your call, Steve. And then Steve Austin says, Vince McMahon, if you ever call me collect again, I'm going to whoop your stupid ass. <laughs> Fucking great. I'm sending you the bill for this one. <laughs> yeah. Foley's a fat ass. He sucks. And if you ever call me collect again, I'm going to whoop your stupid ass. And then he hangs <laughs> up. 
fucking great. Um, and then um, um, Bulldog um, is frustrated um, with Foley because he can't knock him down or he can't keep him down. And he ends up using a chair on Foley, hits him in the back and the head and the face. So then Bulldog is DQ'd. So the winner of the match is Mankind by DQ. But he still gets up and Bulldog um, runs away from Mankind. So it got over it got over Mick being a badass. It got over Steve not wanting this guy to be his partner. And it did a lot of good shit. And I, I didn't give it justice, but it did a really good. It, it did everybody good in this match. And I actually, they didn't have a lot of matches, but the matches that Mick Foley and Davey had, I really enjoyed. Yeah, and, and when and I watched him wrestle live, it's it's good shit. When uh, he had hit he had hit Mick like that. He's like. <sighs> Why do I work out like this? Why do I do all these roids? I can't even get this motherfucker. I, I just, I like I said, their 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 encounters together weren't very many, but when Davy and Mick got to work, it was oh yeah, time. both definitely ring generals and and veterans. Mm-hmm. Great, great, uh, great chemistry too. Like even though it was the ranged ass mankind. But that bulldog could be a perfect opponent for him any day. Yeah, Davey could throw any person wherever the fuck you wanted to throw him, and you could throw Mick wherever you wanted to fucking throw him, and you could take any of it. You know what I right. mean? So it, it, it when those guys worked, it was good shit. And, and shout outs to Mick for being unselfish here too, because then he he made himself look like a schmuck wanting to be Austin's partner. And Austin's like, screw his fat ass. So I, like I said, everybody did their job great in here, and Steve being on the phone was good. It was a good touch. And then we roll into something um, that actually cracked me up. Owen is in the back demanding that Brian Pillman be his manager at ringside. Okay. He's like, I want to talk to Gorilla Monsoon right now. I want oh, I want Brian Pillman to be at ringside with me. If he can have her out there. <laughs> if he can have her out there, I want him. And then Gorilla shows up, and he's like, I'm telling you, I want him to be at ringside. I want Brian Pillman to be with me. And Gorilla Monsoon's like, okay. He goes, no, listen to me. I want him to be my manager. And Gorilla's like, okay. And then Michael Cole's like, he said okay. And then Owen's like, really? All right. Thank you. And like, <laughs> like Owen was expecting a confrontation, and Gurley was just like, all right. Like, why are you still arguing with me? I just yeah. told you it's okay. Yeah, stop fighting like, with me. I yeah, gave you what you wanted. I gave you exactly what you wanted. And Gurley's just like, and Owen's just like, all right, thank you. And then they leave. The biz that we're talking about, a uh, gorilla though. I, I gotta ask you guys: uh, you like Commissioner Monsoon or Commissioner Slaughter better? Uh, it's yeah, just I like Monsoon better. Slaughter didn't get enough time to be the the authoritative commissioner. 
And Monsoon was better as a commissioner because I love the fact that all the wrestlers were afraid of him. Like, even Steve Austin was afraid of fucking Monsoon. <laughs> Monsoon was the only guy that ever ran Steve Austin out of a building. Yeah. Yeah. You got you to gotta go with Monsoon, you know. It's the general progression from President Jack Tunney from our childhood in the gorilla from our did, childhood being did, the president. Did you like, did you see what he did to Ali? I'm not if, fucking with him. <laughs> if Gorilla would have ever I shouldn't have said if Gorilla would have been healthy and still been in his role, Gorilla Monsoon would have never been one of the stooges. Right. You know what I mean? That's that's the difference. Yeah. And 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 to that his 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 character as president of the WWF was was the one that would stand like you know remember the whole thing with Vader you know he was the one that would actually like you said with Austin Aaron he was the one that would put his fucking finger in somebody's oh, chest like I'm not fucking around with me motherfucker like, yeah. I worked Bruno motherfucker I own this <laughs> goddamn town you know. <laughs> I packed this out in night. I know, I know where the bodies are <laughs> yeah, I know buried. Where the bodies are buried because I did it, <laughs> son of a bitch. It's like oh, my favorite Bobby Gorilla thing is when uh, Bobby was talking about fucking gambling with Gorilla, and they were like doing the crap tables or whatever, and Gorilla like pulled out like a wad of fucking money and it looked like it looked like ten thousand dollars or whatever. He pulled it out and. And Bobby was like, "What's that?" And he goes, "That's oh, my, it's my folding money." <laughs> He's like, "This is my money in case I need to, in case I need to buy something." He's like, "What a fucking house!" Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Fucking Bob, uh, fucking gorilla got Hogan at a fucking New York State prison off a fucking gun charge with the fucking Samoans. <laughs> showing up it's it's fucking crazy we could do an entire fucking show on gorilla monsoon but anyway um like i said they did that owen promo um and monsoon being like okay i don't give a shit and then um they did a brief and the only reason i wrote this down was it's telling of the time they did a brief history of because we're going into an intercontinental triple threat match they went into a brief history of the Intercontinental Championship, and they showed people like Pat Patterson, Pedro Morales, um, just Brett. They showed Brett. They showed like like the video ended with Brett and Davey like hugging at fucking Wembley Stadium, and guess who they didn't mention at all? Warrior. Nope. They even showed Warrior. All right, then who? Randy Savage. Probably because he was with WCW at the time. And he was... Persona non grata. Uh, yeah, that that luchador. <laughs> <laughs> there was n- absolutely no fucking message of Ran- mention of Randy Savage. Why, why didn't you book I him? Think they they show, I, think they show, I think they even showed Honky on it, but no Randy Savage. I just... Did I mention that? Well, it's probably because he... I think he put it in Steph's butt. <laughs> I, I've heard those rumors too. And snapped into her. She snapped into and snapped into his slim Jim. Thick Jim. 
But anyway, um, we roll into um, a match that I'm not going to talk about a lot because, I mean, I do have a lot of notes on it, but I don't want to keep you guys too much longer. But this fucking match is fan-fucking-tastic. It's a triple threat match for the Intercontinental Championship between Triple H, Goldust, and Owen Hart. Um, um, all of them are in the ring at the same time. Um, JR mentions that... Um, Oh, sorry. I forgot to mention Pat Patterson's the special guest referee for the match because they are calling him the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. I'm not saying he's not, but I'm just saying that's what they're calling him at this point. All men are in the ring at the same time. Um, Jim Ross mentions Ray Stevens and Pat Patterson as being the greatest tag team champs, tag team champions of all time, which is just interesting because it's the first time I've ever heard Ray Stevens' name mentioned since fucking T, I think he was on TNT probably once, wasn't he? Mm, yes. Well, actually, yeah. I mean, he did some in like the. Well, he was that, an agent for him, but I'm just saying, like mentioning him on TV. Well, actually, I think during that early expansion era, he was one of those guys that wound up doing some random commentary too, because yeah. they would have they would have like you know when they'd go to to a territory that somebody was big in at one point. They would just throw him in the booth with Gorilla or somebody, and it airs Ray Stevens. Yeah, but anyway. Um, but Jared mentioned Stevens and Patterson being the greatest um, tag team ever. Talks about Patterson being the greatest intercontinental champion ever. Um, Hunter goes for a pedigree, but Owen ends up – he goes to the pedigree on gold dust, but it, Owen ends up hitting a spin and heel kick on him. Um, gold dust hits the curtain call for the one, two, three but shows the referee that Owen's foot was on the rope. Um, and then Pillman and Patterson get into it. Gorilla Monsoon comes out and says that he's going to review the film and they go to commercial um, and they come back and the match is restarted. Um, uh, Triple H and Owen go to the floor, which distracts the referee which allows China to attack Goldust in the ring, and she hits him with a Frankensteiner. Um, and then Owen ends up hitting Enziguri, and Goldust tries to stop it, but Owen still, like, Owen hits an Enziguri. Sorry, I got lost in my notes a little bit. Owen hits an Enziguri on um, Triple H, Goldust tries to stop it with an elbow, but Owen moves and Goldust elbows Triple H and Owen pins Triple H and he is still now the champion. And it's a fucking awesome. I didn't give the match justice. It's a fucking awesome match. Yeah. To like, me, this was the best match on the card. It was the best match on the entire show. And it was it was a pay-per-view quality match on fucking TV. Yeah. And I know that that was a lot of what Raw and Nitro were trying to do. But this was the first one in the last, like, three months where I was like, this is a goddamn great fucking match. And right. it kept me captivated. And it went a long time. It told a great fucking story. And these three guys did fucking gangbusters together. I 
fucking thoroughly enjoyed this shit. Well, I mean, too, it, it kind of helped with the whole heel heat on Owen, the fact that, you know, the the decision was reversed and everything, too. So, I mean, it, it definitely built the people involved the way it was supposed to. And And another cool thing about it was the heel got pinned and they reversed it, so you thought... And the heel was the champ, so you thought, oh, shit, we're going to get a new champ in this situation. But yeah, Owen he got his. We're gonna, he's getting screwed over now. Yeah, Owen still came out the winner, you know what I mean? So it, right. it was good shit. And, and, a good way to, and a good way to introduce WWF fans who may not have ever seen one to a triple threat match. Yeah, and after I was done watching it, I was like, I know he was the ref and there's kind of a reason he was the ref because this was a Pat Patterson fucking match <laughs> all the way from bell to bell. Um, then Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart, the OG foundation come out for a promo. Um, Vince McMahon interviews Hart about in your house stampede and Bret Hart says some shit about Ken Shamrock and he says that the UFC stands for the ultimate fairy championship. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about he <laughs> what he said that immediately gave every every UFC fan right then was mad at Bret Hart. <laughs> he then says um the LOD isn't the best tag team of all time. And pats Jim on the chest and says, you're looking at him. Um, he says that if, um, basically says if that bitch Marlena gets involved, um, his sisters will beat her up. And that Steve Austin is the scum of the earth. And then um, Brett, Brett ends up bringing up um, Thomas the Hitman Hearns. Yep. He's sitting out in the crowd. Nate's froze. No, no. Okay. <laughs> He's just bored. No, he, no. Was, he was reading something. <laughs> no, I'm I've been no, I have I when you do your show, I have my torch recap of the show. Okay. Me. I didn't know you did that. <laughs> yes, I do. Are you fact checking <laughs> me to make sure I'm not an idiot? No, I'm just that? looking to see if there's anything that might have been missed that I want to no, bring up. I'd fact check me too. Um, <laughs> so Tim Hurt uh, what's his name? Thomas Hitman, yep. Thomas Hitman Hearns. Thomas um, Hitman Hearns. And then Brett calls him a thief and says that he stole his name. And then Hearns, he challenges him to get in the ring. And uh, this fucking guy gets in the ring and he gets face to face with Brett. And then Neidhart, doing his role that he should, decides to get in between Brett and Hearns and Neidhart ends up taking the punch and falls down. I know that the main reason they did that was I think Brett was they probably didn't want Brett to bump for this guy and get hurt before the fucking pay-per-view. Yep. How how wild is it though that on the same show they're hyping UFC and boxing. Yeah. And 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 I, I, like the UFC thing, like I said, I think Vince wanted to buy it. Hearns was in the crowd. 
and it was going to get them some it was going to get them some some mainstream publicity or whatever and like i said i think the reason nightheart took the bump was just because they were like yeah I think it was probably originally supposed to be Brett probably getting hit by the guy, but it's like, yeah, let's Brett not. Keeps, well, that and hurt. Like, let's yeah, stop. He keeps getting hurt. We can't. Or, our or like, creative we, plans we, keep we, getting we, derailed. Pay per view. We can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. But it, it was a fun segment. The fucking crowd dug it. It was it was the right crowd to do it in front of, and um, Hearns didn't disrespect the wrestling business, so. I had no problem with it. Most boxers don't. Yeah. Most boxers are wrestling fans. Let's be honest. Most athletes are. Yeah. Like, that's the thing, too, that fucking annoys me about non-wrestling fans that talk about how wrestling's fake and this, that, and the other thing. Fucking athletes that are real, legitimate athletes fucking love it. And we'll tell you, those guys are fucking athletes. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, like Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor said he was more fucking blown up coming out of that fucking match with Bam Bam than he was doing a fucking like than he was playing in the fucking Super Bowl. You know what I mean? It's like just Carl Malone. You know those guys are like these guys are fucking athletes and they don't fucking understand. But oh, because it's fake. Right. We're not gonna get we're not gonna get lost in that. So anyway, you guys have anything to say about that fucking? segment nate is there anything in the torch on that Otherwise, no 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 nothing, well, nothing all, that you didn't mention it's also like uh the people i i don't know if you guys know this or not but like i uh get in a lot of these breaks of cards and stuff and lt has still got cards football cards coming out like hall of fame football cards and stuff like that and and they're like yeah that's a, a good pull i said yeah y'all are thinking only along the lines of the football community, though, that uh, there's also wrestling fans that like Lawrence Taylor just because him and Bam Bam Bigelow. Right. So then Vince McMahon tries to interview the Nation of Domination backstage. Um, Savio Vega interrupts because he's pissed off that he got fired. And the NW, all right, I almost said it again. The NOD end up beating down Savio Vega with um, and whip him with a belt, and that's how that ends. And then um, we move into a light heavyweight match, um, and it's Scott Taylor, who goes on to be Scotty Too Hotty. If you guys don't know, or I know you guys know, but if you people out there don't li- don't know, uh, Scott Taylor. Who goes on to be Scotty Tuhati is facing Brian Christopher with Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler gets on headset, and starts bitching about Paulie um, and how much ECW sucks. Then he puts over the USWA. Uh, Lawler continues to deny that Brian Christopher is his son. And then Brian Christopher ends up. Um, Winning the match with a fl- with his flying leg drop, it it's a match. It's not bad. It's just kind of there, and it's still putting over the like USWA Lawler ECW feud, and it's a decent little match. 
I mean, to be honest, though, at this time, the WWE fans are like, what the hell is the USWA? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because at, at this point, everybody's pretty much been diehard WWE guys. Yeah, unless you're a magazine guy or a dirt sheet reader guy, you don't know what they're fucking talking about. But it's a match kind of similar to what I was saying about Sabu and Flash Funk. I'm never gonna get I'm never gonna get mad watching um this Brian Christopher being on my TV. Right. So also yeah. too the irony of the fact that they later become partners. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I it popped me then. I was like, it's funny you see these two <laughs> fighting each other here, but go on down the road and you see them as too cool. It's it, and Brian Brian Christopher getting uh, comma the supreme fighting machines music is fun too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'll, I'll never get mad watching Brian Christopher or Scott Taylor. Honestly, I'm a or obviously Jerry Lawler. Like everything on it works um, as a smart wrestling fan. But if you're just a guy that's turning on the TV to see fucking Hulk Hogan or whatever, he's like, you don't know what the fuck's going on. Um. And then, <laughs> in that case, they're like, them guys couldn't even Hulk, hold Hulk Hogan's jock strap. Yeah. <laughs> and then, we get a report of, guess what? Nate, you didn't watch this show, did you? No. It's okay if you didn't. That's fine. I mean, but, I've watched this show, but I didn't watch you didn't, it. Yeah, you didn't watch it now, so you probably don't know what I'm going to bring up, right? No. Guess who got hurt today on this show? Ahmed Johnson? Yes! See, I didn't even need to watch it to know that one. He got hurt during the melee with the DOA. <laughs> he couldn't take it being in there with real wrestlers. Yes, because he always gets fucking hurt. This guy takes a sideways poop and he blows out a Hemi. <laughs> You should talk about people really letting themselves go. When I seen those after pictures of Ahmed Johnson, I was like, whoa. <laughs> he looked like he ate that dude three times. It's like he's allergic to bees and he got stung a lot. Like, he need Benadryl right now, y'all. Yeah, Benadryl Ahmed Johnson. You can understand him better now, though. You know, his promos in 1997 were very unintelligible, but now he just says, hey, hey, hey. We can't understand him at all because his tongue's swelled up now. <laughs> Where's Ahmed Johnson's EpiPen? So it's worse than his promo. Yeah, yeah I'm just imagining, like, you know, Pulp Fiction when fucking John Travolta's like, like driving Uma Thurman to fucking dude's house. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, of course I do. It's my favorite movie. Yeah, that's like Farouk. It's like Ron Simmons driving fucking Ahmed Johnson to Vince's house, and he's just like, <laughs> he's like, and Vince is like, why'd you bring him here? And Farouk's like, I just stabbed him in the heart. Like, <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah. I'm just thinking of Ahmed, I'm just thinking of like Farouk. And Vince is like, are you on a cell phone right now? I don't know you. I don't know you. He's like hanging up on <laughs> And then Farouk goes, damn. 
and then they dance out like this. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was a teenage wedding in the old folks' <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, good shit, pal. Catch up. <laughs> but anyway, and then Farouk just leaves him in the lawn. Like, I'm right, I'm done with this guy. But anyway, Farouk's now apparently hurt. Or not Farouk. Ahmed's apparently hurt. And then, um, that being said, Farouk's partner is now D'Lo Brown. And it's going to be Vader and The Undertaker with Paul Bearer in the tag team tournament um, against D'Lo and Farouk. The match is going on. Um, Vader and Taker obviously have problems during this match. Um, they're allowing, um, they're allowing Taker to get the, uh, the abuse. Vader won't tag in, won't tag in. Um, Taker ends up decking Vader and Vader ends up, sorry, I messed up there. Sorry. Taker ends up decking Vader, allowing, um, Farouk to get the Lariat on Vader and the winners of the match are the nation of dominations. And they now advance, um, in the tournament. And then, um, Vader tries to attack, um, the undertaker and the undertaker beats up Vader and Paul Bear is upset about this and says that next week he's going to spill the beans. Literally says that. I'm going to spill the beans. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Paul Bear has never. <laughs> you want to talk about good commercials? Those were good commercials. <laughs> I just I just pictured Paul Bear's big ass in the scene from The Office with the beans. <laughs> chili? Like when yeah. Fucking, yeah, with the, with the chili. But with, yeah, but it's beans. <laughs> Paul Bear never spilt no beans. He'd eat, he'd eat shit off the carpet. Paul Bear's a human Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be like, ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. Like that. Now, I just I just now, pictured uh, it was like uh, Bill Dotree, but ooh, treasure. Ooh, treasure. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but it was it was a good thing for it was a good thing for the WWF that they kind of had um they weren't planning on it but they kind of had Vader and Undertaker in the chamber here seeing yeah. as it was supposed to be Ahmed and Taker at at, uh, at the uh, Stampede and of course Ahmed you know slipped on a banana peel or whatever and uh he's hurt again so you just go right to Vader and Undertaker that's where yep. it's going to go Roadrunner got the best of Ahmed yeah. again <laughs> I just pictured Ahmed looking at the screen, breaking the fourth wall like Wiley e. Coyote. Right. So that was Raw. And um, there's a reason why I didn't bring this up at the beginning. Because it says, following this, the dark match was Ken Shamrock, Mankind, and The Undertaker. And they defeated the Heart Foundation of Nightheart, Owen, and Bulldog. Yeah. Good way to end it. Can't just end the show with Paul Bearer being like, "I'm gonna, 
I'll shit some beans. Fill the beans. Ship some beans. <laughs> Overall, this week, neither show was great. Nope. Nah. It, it, both shows were placeholders and are getting to better stuff, but are kind of dragging their heels getting there. I'll say this, uh, as far as Raw goes, I enjoyed it more than Nitro, but it, it definitely wasn't, you know, one of my favorites. Yeah, other than that, other than the um, cool factor of seeing that era Sabu on Raw and that three-way match, it's like, eh, it was kind of there. And I mean, don't get me wrong. As far as the talent that was on this show, oh, the ta- both shows, right? Had, had great, great A. But as, as far as what was produced, yeah, no sir. Like other than that, like I said, other than that, seeing ninety-seven Sabu on Raw in that three-way match, and on Nitro that um, um, Chavo six-pack match, it's like yeah. Was what it was, right? <clears throat> I uh, l- like I said before we even started, I wasn't I wasn't pleased with Raw this week. Um, next week we may be looking at something different, but this week, no bueno. <laughs> Other than Funky China Man, you know, <laughs> Funky China Man. <laughs> so, do either one of you guys got anything you want to? Hype here before we get off here. Yeah, just chill to the next episode. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Most nope. of every day. <laughs> I am good. I am good. Okay. Um, well, I want to thank you guys for listening. Listen to all the shows on the on the WrestleNet Radio or whatever we want to call it now and. Hopefully next week the shows are better. Uh, this show was all right, but I'm saying the shows we're reviewing are better. And I want to thank you guys for uh, stumbling along with me. I appreciate it. <laughs> Not a problem. Thank you guys. Appreciate as it. As the ultimate, as the ultimate warrior would say, Ariba Derchi. Yeah. I thought and as uh, as Brutus would say, what do that could. <laughs> <laughs>